Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead. Special welcome to Louise, who's visiting us in the hotel, and a special welcome to Aaron, who's joining us today with Tamara. Good morning, Aaron. Lovely to see you. Our service this morning will be led by our minister, Katrina. Ade and Moji will lead us in the Lord's Prayer in Yoruba. Sylvia will read scripture for us. And Lena and Ian B will lead our reflections on marriage and singleness. Our musicians this morning are Paul, Neil and George. And in just a moment, Wendy will be lighting our candle. Then at 7pm this evening, the Reverend Kathy Galloway will lead our evening reflection. This will be a hybrid service, so you'll be able to join our worship either in the sanctuary of Wellington Church or on Zoom. And of course, the link is in yesterday's email. Then family news is lovely news, of course, because next Sunday is a really special one for our church family. In the morning, we celebrate the end of the Sunday school session. And then at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, we gather either in Kings Park Baptist Church or on Zoom for the baptism of Nasi and Bethany. And we are all invited to be part of that service. So uh, next week, when I send out the email, there'll be both the Zoom link for our baptismal service and also a map and directions of how to get to Kings Park Baptist Church. So if you can at all, please be part of that special service at 3 p.m. next Sunday. But time now for Wendy to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
So we're going to pray in a moment. And just in case anybody is wondering, because a few people have already commented as to why I am all clericaled up today when I'm not usually, I'm literally scampering out the door the minute the service is finished to get to the other side of the city to conduct a wedding. So that is why I have a clerical collar on today when I don't normally. So don't expect it every week. That's all I'm saying. So let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Loving God, as we meet in the name of Jesus to worship you, we do so grateful for the freedom we have to gather openly and appreciative of the technology that allows us to connect both on site and online. As we pray, we begin by noticing and naming our own stories, quietly pausing to become aware of how we feel and how life is for us right now. And we share with you whatever it is that occupies our hearts and our minds at this time. To those who are weary, give rest and refreshment. To those who are sad, give comfort and reassurance. To those who are in pain or unwell, give healing and wholeness. To those who are bewildered, give clarity and hope. To those who are lonely, give companionship and love. To those who are fearful, give courage and peace. With those who are energised and excited, share joy and activity. with those who are content, share fulfilment and flourishing. With those who are happy, share laughter and celebration. With those who are successful, share both wonder and humility. With those who are fulfilled, share delight and new discoveries. Loving God, who we meet in Jesus of Nazareth, a man who knew joy and sorrow, loneliness and friendship, who lived as we live in a world damaged by sin and selfishness, yet who lived in hope and served with love, accept our prayers and lead us in his way. Amen. Baba wa tin beli orun ki a bowo forun ko re ki ijoba re de ife tre ni ki a se ni aye bi o tin se ni orun fun wa lo jojo wa bi o ni dare ese wa jiwa bi a tin dare ese won to je won ma fa wa si ni dowo do gba wa lowo berisi
Mark 10, 28-31. Peter said to Jesus, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for my sake, and for the sake of the good news. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life? But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Apologies for walking like that. I managed to put out my back about an hour or so before the service, and at one point I thought, I may not be here. The human body is such an interesting thing, isn't it? Until it gets out of order, you don't realize how wonderful and how complex it is. So. Indeed. <laughs> well, I'm certainly glad you did make it. So. Oh, yes, Ian, and I'm glad you're here as well. <laughs> I think I might need some support in our conversation. Good, good. Lena, uh, we're talking about singleness and marriage and family and how that impacts uh, the church and, and what, what we make of that as a community of God's people. Um, I know that you've written a couple of books on this theme and it's something that you've been thinking about for many years. So I, I was yeah. just um, thinking, how, how did you become interested in this theme in a, in a kind of an academic way and, uh -huh. uh, and with, with such depth? Yeah, I mean, it, it fits well in our series, doesn't it, as we consider the diversity of God's people. It was, a, I think it was probably all the way back to my childhood in many ways. We did have, as many churches, many single people, well, many single women of different ages, from widows to those who lost their husbands somewhere in the middle to young women, of who we always had more in the church than young men. So I think for me it became first a pastoral question because I could see some of them struggling. They, they definitely were interested in marriage but there just wasn't, wasn't anybody to marry. And then of course that raises all sorts of questions about God and God's will and so on. Does God love women more, apparently, if there are more women in the church and so on? Well, that's a quip. But on a more serious note, I was quite perturbed about why the message that they, as well as happily single people, were often getting, sometimes in between the lines, that they were less than full people. And that really started to bother me um, over the years, because I begin to realize how much it reflects this clash that we have mm -hmm. between what we've absorbed from the, the culture at large, I don't know if you've noticed that, Ian, you know, in yeah. terms of what makes one's life happy and fulfilled, and what we know the right answer is, right? We all know it's about Jesus, and Jesus is enough. And I mean, we would all say amen to that, because we, we, we want to believe that, we want that to be true, we want to affirm that. 
But in practice, what's happening is something quite different. Mm. So that, that's how I got into it. And then one article became a book and then there was another book. And, I, yeah. and we're still waiting for the film. <laughs> So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no well, let's yet. talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could come back to some of those, the, the themes that you've raised there, you know, uh, about cultural expectations of, of life and of young people and various things and how uh, the church has imbibed some of the, the, the culture. But, um, but what I do know is from my own uh, sort of reading over the years is that the, the idea of family uh, which we think we understand is actually really complex in the Bible. There are many, many different models of family. When we say, uh, you know, let's have a biblical model of family, uh, that actually hides a multitude of complexity. Yeah. So is that something that you've reflected Oof. on? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, again, it's one of those illustrations how when we say, what does the Bible say about, mm. you can't just... Well, you can always dive into a specific verse if you already know what you want to say and just start looking for confirmation. But if you seriously are wrestling with the question, if you really want to understand the scriptures, then you, yeah. Um, so, for example, with a the family, there isn't even a word, a single word in the Bible to describe family the way we understand it. Um, the closest you can, you can think of, and again, we talk first about Hebrew and then we talk about Greek, but... Basically, there are two words that kind of approximate it. One is household. That's a big one. And household, again, is big. Usually up to 100 people, wow. something like that. So you imagine your family being 100 people. Yes, I mean, And I you would be the patriarch <laughs> because that would be another important part of it. Because, because the, the, that kind of household was governed usually by a head, usually a man. Although there are some cases... Um, some glimpses we have of women being the, the, the head of such a household, pater familias. Um, so that would be one. And all sorts of people would belong to the household, right? Mm -hmm. from, from your children, yes, but also your servants, your slaves if you had them, um, craftsmen and whoever else was kind of attached. That was the household. So that was one important thing. And we see that time and again, don't we? Especially in the, in the Old Testament, but also in the New. Um, and then there is kin, which is all about blood relations, which are the, the closest. Um, and then mar marriage, you know, so becoming uh, uh, tied in that way. But blood relations are huge. So the, the, the link between brothers and sisters would last for the rest of their life in many ways would be the most significant link they would have. Loyalty to, to your kin would trump everything. So a story like Joseph in the Old Testament, uh -huh. you know, where the, the you know, we, in the Psalms it talks about how beautiful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. But yeah. in the Old Testament, we frequently see that brothers are trying to kill each other or in fact do kill each other. Yes. And uh, so that must have been quite a traumatic family experience oh it? it is and it, again in the shame and honor culture such as we have in the old testament mm. that that is huge that is huge because what is expected is precisely that that utter loyalty yeah. to each other um as as you try to protect your family as you try to expand your family's influence and boundaries and so on yeah that would that that is that is really as you say traumatic really so when you talk about sort of brothers and sisters uh, and the blood relationship as being really critical and important. Mm. Is that what we see sort of coming through into the, the teaching of Jesus and, uh, and the way that he understands yeah, family? That, that's really interesting because in many ways I would say probably Jesus's words about family, about singleness, and to some extent about marriage are the toughest of what he has to say. These are definitely, this is definitely one of the reasons why some disciples eventually say, you know what, these are too hard words. Who can, <laughs> who can deal with them? Sorry, we have to leave kind of thing. Because he really, he really shocks them. I mean, even we, I think, find it a bit uncomfortable. You know, phrases like, who are my brother, mother and brothers and sisters? And this is when his mother literally is begging for, for uh, time with him. He says, these who do the will of my father. And then there are some even harsher words, right? About 
Jesus coming to separate, to split, uh, you know, family members and so on, um, and so on and so on. For us, even, it's a little uncomfortable. But in that culture, this is huge. This is huge. Mm. It really is. Um, the, the, the scriptures that we heard this morning that Sylvia read for us kind of illustrate that um, really um, strongly. Um, so just to remind you, right, the text um, that we read uh, talks about Peter reminding Jesus of the cost they already paid mm. for following him. Look, we've left everything to follow you. I guess behind his question is, so, <laughs> well, you know. What's the deal? Exactly, what's yeah, the deal? Yeah. And then Jesus does explain the deal, doesn't he? Mm. Which is fascinating. First of all, see what they list, or what Jesus lists. He says, nobody who's left their fields, their households, their brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. Fields and, ho and houses are absolutely part of the package because that's your livelihood. That's your pension, if you will, because there isn't a pension. You, you, you utterly depend on this, again, this household, this house and, and the fields that you work. And then he says, nobody who, who left them will not receive hundredfold off. And this is the interesting bit. I don't know if you've noticed, but when he now relists the hundredfold off, there's one thing that is missing. Are you going to tell us what it is? <laughs> I don't, just in case anybody else noticed, I, this is not a test. This is not a test. But I'm, I, it took me years and years to realize that. So again, Jesus says, whoever left houses and fields and father and mother and brothers and sisters and wife and children the gospel of mark the story appears in other places but the gospel of mark also adds persecutions that's a bit of a bonus <laughs> um, and then he says no one will not receive these but in that list the figure of the father is omitted, which is huge. I mean, <laughs> this is no way an accident. So he said, Jesus says, you will receive 100-fold of mothers and sisters and brothers, not wives, um, sisters, brothers, houses, fields. Mm. All of that will be yours as you travel on your missionary travels, as you perhaps flee persecutions and are welcomed elsewhere. But Father is not mentioned. And that's another interesting thing having to do with this father figure, this, this, this head of the household. Again, we're, we're not talking here, Ian, and I know you, you, you also um, have, have looked at this subject. We're not talking about a benevolent kind of, you know, warm father figure who takes care of you. You're talking about the person who controls your life. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is basically saying he is inviting people into this new family, diverse in all sorts of ways, and the only father they will have will be the one in heaven, whose will they are to do. Which is what, which explains also, by the way, why Jesus somewhere else says, don't call anybody among you father. That, that's what he means. Okay, again. Which is an interesting text, isn't uh -huh. it? In, in Matthew 23, where he's criticizing the Pharisees and the yes. scribes, and he says, you're not to call anybody a rabbi yeah. or, or a teacher. Yeah. You're not to call anybody uh, a guide or an instructor. Yeah. And, and you don't call anybody father. I've, I've always found that really uh -huh. sort of fascinating. Uh -huh. and what do you think are the implications of that? Why, why, why do you think Jesus was transposing that, that issue about fatherhood? I think that's precisely because of what that family structure meant mm. to the day. And he is very, very clearly, very, very loudly reimagining family. There's, there's no, just no doubt about it. So mm. again, this, this picture of these different people who now come together, who become brothers and sisters. See that language of brothers yeah, and sisters? That's, interesting, that's serious business. If we mm. are to call each other brothers and sisters, you know, that, that's big in Jesus' eyes. And therefore, they're not bound to any earthly figure. 
who will tell them what to do. There's only one Father in heaven. Whatever their earthly relations. Again, we know we know from Jesus that he was, he he helped family members of all sorts. He healed them. He he took care of his own mother when hanging on the cross. Right. So it's not it's not about that. Jesus is not denying the the warmth of human relationships of taking care of each other. But in terms of structures, boy, Je- he's revising. Jesus them. sometimes, I think, looks as though he has a bit of a downer on on human families, though, doesn't he? I mean. Mm. You know, when we've talked about this in the past, you know, we've talked about the fact that his brothers didn't seem to get on with him mm. at various points in his life and doubted who he was and and insulted him. And his father's not there mm. in the story of the Gospels beyond the infancy uh, narratives. And mm. he, his mother, he seems to have a little crossword with her in John chapter 2 when she wants him to turn water into wine. And it's like, stop bothering me, mother. Uh, <laughs> although he eventually does it. You know, so... So what is the significance yeah. of, of, of that, do you think? And, and is that fair to Jesus or is, he, mm. is the story a bit more subtle? And... Yeah, I don't know how much we can read into Joseph's, Joseph's absence. I mean, most people think he likely died, you know, mm. so Mary would have been a widow, which, yes, would have made life quite difficult. And again, Jesus is the older son, so then he has to take care of all the dependents, right? But it's definitely true that his family, that's the Gospels are very clear, his family think he is demon-possessed and crazy, mm. and they're trying to stop him. It's definitely there. And, and it is huge. We, we get a glimpse that maybe things did change after the resurrection. So we have James, the brother of Jesus, heading the church. So again, there's hope. Mm. When there's a family rupture, again, I think, let's not make a mistake. Let's not glorify in the fact that some of us and i'm talking in all seriousness had to sacrifice somebody from our family because of our choice because of our commitment to follow jesus that's very real but let's not say this is something you know let's not try to make it happen because that's not where the story goes that's not definitely the 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 intention behind the vision that jesus preaches sure the vision of the kingdom so, so it seems like Jesus is creating a new social reality, which yes. is which is the church, yes. uh, where people are brothers and sisters yes. and care for each other yeah. and and have new relationships where everybody is included, and things. I wonder how Jesus's vision uh, compares with sort of the the church today, which mm. sort of has very yeah. fixed models of, of yeah. family life and you know, mum, dad, two point yeah. four kids and. Uh, you know, there's an expectation that all single people will get married and yes. this, this kind of thing. It seems very culture-bound. Is, is there a tension between Jesus' teaching and the well, you church today? Pr- you probably... <laughs> yes. I think there's an answer implied, right? <laughs> yes, there, there is. Maybe, there may be, yes. <laughs> it, it's, to me, it's striking. I don't know about you. I find it striking how clearly, how loudly the church is about family although family again sometimes becomes a complicated painful word so let's let's use other words as well community mm. but real community not declared community uh, a, a, a group of friends to use another language that jesus uses right talking about his disciples if that is true as i say if we really are to mean the language of brothers and sisters if you are my brothers and sisters. If I'm your sister, Ian's your brother, then I think it's a challenge for us all. I mean, to me, that's the biggest challenge when I think about singleness and marriage as well, because what often happens is churches begin to think that they serve families, and by families, they mean nuclear families, right? Rather than the other way around. And like you say, Ian, right? Single people are somehow supposed to fit fit in. Mm. That's totally well that's totally unhelpful first of all um on all sorts of levels in fact it doesn't help marriages that's for sure you know that kind of inward turn and thinking that you just have to work you know the two of us have to work and then you know everything else has to fit actually marriage and nuclear family needs that larger context of the church Single people need the church. Again, if we are to make sense mm-hmm. of singleness in Jesus' yeah. eyes, and yeah. we, we need that context of the community. So I, 
And I think for us, for us here at Hillhead, that, that is, to me, one of the biggest challenges we face still. What do we mean when we say we are a church? What do we mean when we say we are community? Sunday morning is good, but what's behind, what's beyond that? Mm. How do we actually share life in different ways together? It's an open question. I don't have an answer. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, you know, Jesus both um, valorizes singleness when he talks about yes. eunuchs for the kingdom of God. Paul, in his letters, talks about singleness as, as a noble state. In fact, a preferred state for mm. Christian living because you're focused on the on God's work and God's kingdom yes. and not distracted by other other issues mm. of life. Um, though you marry if you if you really must do yes. and uh, yeah. Pretty much that's what he says, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, is there more that we could be doing in, in church yeah. life today? Because, yeah. I mean, lots of churches, and I've been party to this as well, you know, sort of uh, talk about, well, we need more families coming into the church. We're going to have family services. It's family, family, family. And, and that's sort of narrow, narrowly yes. defined. Yes. And I think there has been mm. a blind spot, can be a blind yeah. spot, you know, about singleness or about yes. different structures of family. Is there more that we could do? I'd hope so. I mean, I, I do talk about that more in the book. But uh, very briefly, as I said, friendship is where I would start. And yeah. again, friendship not in the sense of who, who do I like? Who are we natural friends with only? I mean, that's a gift. A great deficit also in our culture, but we kind of get it. But Jesus is after different kinds of friendships, right? He talks about, to his disciples, he calls them friends which I think for us, maybe that's one of the ways for us to take it forward, is what does it mean for us to be friends? What does it mean to befriend each other? I have a suspicion food has a lot to do with that. <laughs> uh, I still remember with gratitude, Katrina's initiative, you know, to, to, to share meals together. And again, maybe, maybe more of us could do that and just keep an eye on, on, on who could be invited. Um, so friend, developing friendships that way. Um, and then, of course, friendship also goes beyond that because Jesus very clearly is accused of being friend of sinners. <coughs> and, and again, what does it mean missionally for us to be friends with others? Um, but I, I think it's somewhere there. And yes, I'm serious about meals. I'm, I'm serious about sharing time, sharing requests. Again, we, we do that. But I think there's so much more that we're called to do if we are to, to, live, to live it out, uh, our church's calling. So friendship could be the next book. It, Spirit, it could. Spiritual friendship. <laughs> I think we better call a halt to it there, and read. But uh, yes. that's, that's been fascinating, and I, I think probably has given us a lot to to think and explore mm. uh, about in the future. No, so, yeah. thank you for chatting with me. Yeah, and good, um, good I was going to invite to sing us a song. Do you want to do it? Does it do it? Uh, I think I'm going to spare these people <laughs> and show them show them mercy by going and sitting down. Leave that to you. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you, friends. Yes, there is a song that I thought would really fit into what we have been thinking about um, in the series and today, perhaps especially. So you, you have it there. The, mel the tune comes, or the tune that I would like us to use, comes from Lewis. So those of you with uh, maybe island blood can be especially loud as you sing. Well, you don't have to be loud, but it would be nice if you join in. We don't have an instrument yet. But maybe some of you would like to do an instrument of some sort, some sort of a rhythm. Um, if you'd rather listen, of course, you're very welcome to just do that. And uh, you guys there at home, yeah, make all the racket you want. I think Aaron is ready to do that as well. So, um, but let's sing together as a way of maybe bringing it also in a, in, into a prayer. What does it mean for us to follow Jesus whatever our state, today or in the future. Mm, I just realized I probably shouldn't bang, otherwise I would do the rhythm. I'll just do it carefully. Can I, Paul? Uh, no, he's not too happy. Okay, hands, okay, hands. Jesus, you once called disciples, choosing 12 to follow you. Simon, also known as Peter, Andrew, and Bartholomew, Philip, Thomas, James, and Matthew, Simon, Thaddeus, John, and James, 
Then there was the one called Judas. These were your disciples' names. Women too were your disciples, sitting, learning at your feet. Mary knew your word was precious, even more than food to eat. Martha trusted in your power when her brother Lazarus died. Women shared your journey, Lord, and stayed when you were crucified. Lord, so many heard and followed like the woman at the well, meeting you the she sought others she could tell. Like the boy with loaves and fishes, like Zacchaeus in the tree, many gladly heard your message, many shared your ministry. Jesus, still you call your people, come and follow today. Some, like Paul, feel sudden wonder. Some are brought up in your way. Lord, no matter how we meet you, by your Spirit make us new. May we know your living presence. May we daily follow sure we'd all like to express our thanks to Lena and to Ian for such a creative and informative way of sharing reflection this morning. And if I can give a little plug for another theologian who looks at friendship, Reverend Dr. Sean Winter, who is a Baptist theologian who's actually based in Australia, has done a lot on the theology of friendship. So I need to go and reread some of that. So thank you, Lena, for the inspiration. And so we come now with our prayers for others and for each other. Let us pray together. And as we do so, let us once again begin with ourselves, noticing and naming the thoughts and feelings that have arisen for us as we've listened to scripture and to this reflective conversation. Jesus, as we think of those who followed you, we recall that among them there have always been people like us, whatever our relationship status may be, and however either the church or society views that. You call each of us by name, as we are, in all that complexity, because you love us, with a never-ending love. Widowed, divorced, separated, married, living together, single, whatever label we may choose or that others may use, to you we are called simply and importantly, friend. Help us to hear that and to own it. Not comparing ourselves with others, but daring to believe that it is true. Jesus, you call us into communities that we call churches. And today, our prayer diary reminds us to bring to you in prayer these friends. Clifford, Ed P, Christian, Jean and Walter, Paul, Rico and Ailey, Leo, Rachel F, Katrina H and Ben, Rachel H and Larissa. 
as we hear the names, some we know well and others we hardly know at all, we thank you for these siblings in Christ. Show us how we may deepen our sense of connectedness, truly caring for one another in the whole of life. This week, we pray for those who undertake the challenging role of ensuring good communications in our own church and more widely within the Baptist Union of Scotland. We give thanks for those who contribute to and edit our church magazine, sharing stories, poems, news and information. May we who receive the key find encouragement information and maybe even sometimes a challenge as we read. We pray for Lindsay, the Baptist Union of Scotland communication officer, as she develops a whole range of communications via email, website and social media, via letter and other print media. May she find joy and fulfilment as she shares her gifts in this way. We pray for our sibling Baptist churches, for Fort William Baptist Church in the Highlands, Fraserburgh Baptist Church on the Murray Firth, and Galler Shields Baptist Church in the Borders. We know little of these faithful communities other than their names, but they are fully known to you, and we ask you to bless and encourage them as they serve you as you lead. This week, BMS World Mission asks us to pray for them as they seek to empower, encourage and equip emerging leaders across the globe. As part of a vision to move away from a model of sending from the West to the rest, they seek to work with diverse global partners, recognising the call of Christ on indigenous believers to serve both locally and internationally. May this vision find fulfilment as new leaders flourish in Africa, Asia, the Middle East, South America and Eastern Europe. So many names, so many places, so many concerns and yet so much remains unnamed and unspoken. Jesus, we bring to you now in the quiet of our hearts those places and people for whom we seek your healing, wholeness, encouragement and abundance of life. Jesus, you have heard all the words spoken and unspoken. You know our thoughts and our feelings. Accept them all and lead us as we hear your call to follow in your way. Amen.
where we are to where you need us. Jesus, now lead on. From the security of what we know to the adventure of what you will reveal. Jesus, now lead on. From the uncertainty of what we face to the fullness of God's promises. Jesus, now lead on. To refashion the world until it resembles the shape of your kingdom. Jesus, now lead on. Because good things have been prepared for all by the God of love. Jesus, now lead on. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.